Let's get hyped. Welcome into the Husker Hypecast. I am Mike Schaefer, Brian Christofferson, Michael Brunts here as well, including a special guest making his uh, his podcast appearance for the first time. You know him as a former Husker. These guys talk about what he did to Pete Carroll and Dabo Sweeney. We figured it's time to have Todd Peterson on the Hypecast. Todd, how you doing? I am incredibly hyped, Mike, and I'm ready to go. <laughs> you, you sound very hyped. There's there's no time better to be hyped than after what we just witnessed last weekend. So I am hyped and ready to rock. Yeah, we, we figured we needed to bring in somebody that uh, that could be infectious with their their energy and their commentary uh, so people didn't just have to continue to listen to us point out the same things week after week. So we, we thought we would do that. And we also decided to do something a little bit different too. Normally, we'll dive into the things on the offensive side of the ball. Then we'll dive into things on the defensive side of the ball. Then we're getting oddly specific predictions. Then we're making our actual predictions. What if we do it different today? Michael Brunts, Brian Christopherson, that sound good? Do you want to switch things up? Yeah, we can do that, I guess. You didn't properly introduce Todd, though. That's 6'4 wide receiver Todd Peterson. I apologize, Todd. Uh, we won't mention the uh, weight these days for, for Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair you, enough. you were listed at 215, though. I mean, that's 6'4", 215. That's, that's, uh, that's big it's, body it's, wide receiver territory, Todd. It's gone north a little bit, and the body composi- composition has changed in a unflattering way, Bronze. That's, that's probably true for all of us, though, except for BC. Yeah, BC's uh, still just rocking those three thirty in the morning workouts at uh, what Planet Fitness or wherever he goes. Snap, twenty four hour. Yeah, it's not as intense as it, it used to be, but uh, yeah, I do get up at four thirty and do push ups. But uh, let's do it. Get- you give me something to shoot for, BC. All right. So, Todd, Todd, I believe, knows this show fairly well, understands what we do here. And so when we switch things up and we go to the oddly specific predictions, I, I know we haven't had a chance to dive into the game yet. So does this are, – are you ready to go? Do, do you want to lead us off with your oddly specific prediction for Nebraska oh, Friday game? I think I can do that. I can – I've been thinking about this a little bit since I got the invitation and – I think I'm going to go peak 2020 with my oddly specific prediction and that I'm going to predict that Wandale Robinson is going to score a fourth quarter touchdown. Yes. A second half touchdown for the Huskers <laughs> to tie the game with about a minute 50 left. And we're all going to get that uneasy fe- feeling that I was going to drive down and they will and set up in field goal range, but they're going to miss. They're going to shank one off the right upright and we're <sighs> going to go to overtime. And our Huskers are going to go for their first overtime victory. And I don't know how long. And I think we're going to come up short by a field goal just because it's 2020. And what little amount of our heart we have left is going to get wrenched out. So <laughs> positivity is gone. <laughs> Man, you were you setting were- that up. I thought that was going to be a really like happy ending. Like you were building it toward that. And then no. Well, well, gentlemen, what I've learned is... Uh, I go in with low expectations, and I hope I'm wrong. Well, you were, you were tweeting at us that you were the positive Peterson two weeks ago. What the you know, heck happened to that? I, oh, I, I I thought to myself that I really regretted that tweet after <laughs> after coming into this. But 
Well, we'll just hope I'm wrong. Well, we'll say my cousin, my long lost cousin Josh has brought me over to the dark side. I, I gotta say, I mean, I didn't realize that you were a screenwriter in your spare time too. I mean, that's uh, that's quite the script that you're putting together here. I'm not gonna say I've been waiting to be invited to the hype cast, but I've been thinking about it. <laughs> well, I mean, when you start off like that, I mean, you might just have to become a regular with those kinds of. <laughs> Well, let's uh, just hope they trend trend in the right direction. That's good stuff. Now we're going to basically throw BC under the bus, who has to follow that oddly specific prediction up with one of his own. All right, I can do it. Um, I'm going to say that uh, Cam Taylor Britt, who uh, had an interception return against Iowa last year, as you might remember, is going to uh, give Nebraska spark at some point in this game. I think it's going to come actually in the second quarter. Uh, when he enter, he steps in front of an ill-advised pass and uh, takes it back 43 yards for a touchdown for the second straight year against Iowa, he gets a touchdown. Cam Taylor Britt. So that's going to be like a moment where it's like, oh, here they come a little bit. You know, the defense kind of punches back. 43-yard touchdown. All right, all right, I like that. Bruns, what do you got? Well, this this uh, this series with. Iowa and Nebraska has long been defined by really poor decisions on special teams. Um, and this is dating all the way back to when Kirk Ferentz kept kicking to DeMornay Pearsonell uh, with Nebraska leading big. So I think we're going to see two fake attempts run by the teams combined. So two combined fake either field goal or punt attempts in this game. Um, I think neither is going to hit. And I think we're going to see a fake punt and I think we're going to see a fake field goal from Iowa with them trying again to, to land the knockout blow and it's not going to land. Um, so I, I think we're going to see two failed special teams attempts by the teams on Friday. So I, I think it, it's, uh, you know, when you're sitting down to your, your Thanksgiving meal, probably socially distanced or, apart from your family or maybe on zoom and you're digging into that stuffing for the first time. And, and you can just taste the tradition, know that the tradition coming on Friday is poor special teams play. All right. Well, that is uh, that's good stuff there. So I, I'm going to go with a simple one. I think Nebraska wins the turnover battle on Friday and I think it's three to two. And one of those turnovers is going to occur on a kickoff when Nebraska forces a fumble this year. So a, uh, a simple, oddly specific prediction that still has a little layers to it, but nothing quite like what our, our guest and our friend Todd Peterson drew up, which makes me really wonder, we're, we're going to dive in right in right now, game prediction. What do you got for us, Todd? Where are you going with this? Or, um, well, since BC is going to give me a defensive touchdown, I'm going to have to go 33-30 Iowa then. Okay. All right. BC, what do you got? Um, I'm going to say Iowa 31, Nebraska 24. Um, and, yeah, I, I, th I think I think it'll be down to the wire like it usually is. But um, right now it's it's – there's a lot of factors that making not confident in picking Nebraska. Brunts? Iowa 28, Nebraska 24. Um, I think Nebraska drives late with an attempt to go ahead, but does not get it done. So 28 to 24, Iowa. 
Uh, I'm going to go 23-17 Iowa. Uh, I think that they just uh, are a little bit better. Kick a lot of field goals on Friday, uh, but the, the Hawkeyes win another one against Nebraska. So it looks like we're all going Iowa, which kind of makes sense after the leg that – or the leg, the egg Nebraska laid on Saturday against Illinois. So we've, we've got the oddly specific predictions – We've got our game predictions out of the way. Let's kind of dive into to this matchup. But really, let's just kind of see, Todd, you, you watched Nebraska play four games this year. This offense has largely struggled in all four of those games, even the win against Penn State. As you sort of use uh, your, your experience and your knowledge to kind of critique what's going on with this team, where do you see the issues really beginning for Nebraska's offense? Like if, if you had to boil it down to a single thing, which is hard, because nothing yeah. is quite working right. But where would you start? Uh, it's hard. I, I think the easy thing to do is to go to quarterback play um, and just see that there's been inconsistency there. Um, but I think with the recent changes and struggles we've seen with Luke as well, we can say that it, it goes far beyond that. Um, but I definitely think just the lack of any sort of vertical threat has really given us trouble. Um, I mean, I remember watching that UCF offense, offense just attack seams vertically, and, and that just is not there. And I think it's a combination of uh, struggling accuracy between both Adrian and Luke, and um, BC will love this. I think we, we miss Jack Stoll and, and some of the bigger yes. targets that we can have up the seams on some of those. Cause I love Wandale. He can do a lot of things that I could never dream of, but it's tough to fit throws in between the second and third level to guys that aren't very tall. He just doesn't have a great catch radius and he's getting, getting focused on. So I, I hope that the offensive line concerns that kind of cropped up last week in the last couple of weeks are, are a temporary thing with injuries and, and that will kind of revert and be more positive, but I would probably start with that, that passing game problem yeah that's fair that's fair i also appreciate the jack stole reference uh as well as well as including pc when you made it it's very nice of you that means you're you're a seasoned veteran listener brian uh quarterback is a big topic of conversation and scott frost said mm -hmm. something really sort of um i don't know unusual this week i guess with with the comment about luke mccaffrey and that he's the future around here but then also that they need to play the guy that gives them the best chance to win. How do you go about handicapping this quarterback race now uh, as, as they're going into their fifth game and it still doesn't really seem that Nebraska or anyone else knows uh, who the guy is that can get the most out of this offense right now. If I were to read tea leaves off of that one comment and everybody will probably have their own interpretation, it suggested to me they were going to go to Adrian Martinez. Um, and it was Scott Frost's way of saying, um, there's still a lot of snaps out there for young Luke. He's a young guy. Um, I know some jumped on the future thing. Like uh, it, Adrian's time is very temporary at QB if he gets the nod again. I don't know about that. I just think it was a coach looking at one guy's a junior, one guy's a redshirt freshman, and so he called uh, McCaffrey the future. But I, I, I can see the uh, re reasoning. You would go back to Adrian. Um, even though he has struggled to make reads in the passing game himself. Um, we honestly didn't get a huge sample size from him before deciding that, uh, 
that he uh, had not improved. And one of those games was against Ohio State, and the other one is against uh, Northwestern defense that is making everybody look pretty bad, to be honest. And they just uh, slowed down the Graham Mertz hype train quite a bit at Wisconsin this past weekend, too. So, I mean, you do have to factor that in a little bit. I think Adrian is capable of uh, making some, some bigger throws. And uh, because of that, maybe you, you bring him back and see if he can, he can see some things. And, you know, sometimes when a guy sits a while, uh, Todd could speak to this maybe as an athlete more than any of us could, but uh, I would think that that adds a little something uh, to Adrian the last couple of weeks. And he's stayed engaged with the team. We saw the video of him, you know, getting guys fired up beforehand. So um, I like that. He's still, he's hasn't left the, uh, the the room it feels like he's he's stayed active with his team and that gives him a chance to come back here yeah so before we before we get kind of to Todd's thoughts on what you just said BC I want to get to Brunts real quickly and on this on this thought Cam Jurgens was was widely regarded by by guys on this podcast as a crucial and important part of Nebraska's offensive line he's really struggled this year what's your kind of level of surprise that Nebraska still has these sort of center issues and snapping issues in his second full season. Yeah. I mean, I think that was one thing that before the start of the season, we had heard that, you know, those were largely taken care of. Um, You know, that's not been the case. Um, I know he's been hurt. I, you know, Scott Frost said that he was having issues pushing off and that's why he uh, wasn't in there in the second half. But, you know, I, I, Nebraska's got to get something figured out at, at the center spot. I mean, you still have snaps, uh, you know, kind of going haywire. I mean, there were even some that, you know, Luke were th- that were there and Luke just missed it um, last game, too. So I don't know. It's I, I don't know if the, the answer is, is Matt Farniak at center. I don't know if you try Will Farniak there. Trent Hickson has worked at center. I mean, Ethan Piper, I know at, at, at various points has snapped a little bit. You know, you have to be good at a couple spots on offense. You, you got to have good quarterback play. Your center play has to be really good. And, and it just hasn't been up to snuff. I mean, I, I think I, – I mean, we we all kind of thought that the offensive line would have a chance to be maybe a strong point for this offense. And I think it has been in very small spurts, but it needs to be more consistent. And, and when you have, you know, your quarterback kind of all over the place, when you're, you know, kind of one-dimensional in the passing game, uh, you, you can't afford to have the offensive line struggling too. And I, I think, you know, that they, they need to figure out something to help the center spot. And I, you know, I've kind of thought too, I mean, when you, if, if you're having to slide Matt Farniak over, you bring Bo Wilson in, it, it just seems like maybe, you know, you're upsetting a couple positions there to try to take, take care of the center spot. So I, I don't know what the answer is, but I don't think Nebraska's found it yet. No, and they haven't found an answer at center for years. I mean, it, it's been a long time since they've had, really strong play in the middle of their offensive line. Uh, I, before we go to defense, I, I do want to follow up with, with Todd on something that, that I'm kind of curious about. So Nebraska has these young wide receivers. Marcus Fleming had five catches, 75 yards. We've seen Xavier Betts pop up, you know, whip a catch each of the last three weeks. What, what is the difficulty for these receivers in terms of like their freshmen, they just got here in the summer and they, they had kind of a, an abrupt end to the start of their fall camp. And then they, they started again in, in October. What, what was the difficulty for you when it came to, to learning an offense, obviously a very different offense, but I, I think that one of the, the things that's difficult for fans is to figure out how some of these freshmen may not know 
exactly everything that is going on in this offense uh, and, and people want to see him play, but Nebraska has to kind of go with some veteran hands in certain situations. I think um, it's, it's tough because wide receiver is often one of the positions you think where a young guy should be able to come in and contribute pretty quickly. Um, but I think what a lot of people maybe don't grasp is the difference in the level of detail of running an offense, it, at least for me coming from class C high school, Nebraska football. And uh, I realized that a lot of the high school football programs have evolved and are probably throwing a lot more than my team did back then. But as simple as, as where you line up is, is the level of detail in that would, would probably baffle some people and where you line up as far as how wide your split is, is different depending on if you're to the field or to the boundary, or if the ball is in the middle of the field or the right hash or the left hash, you know, we would have normal splits, max splits, tight splits. And, and granted, I think um, a lot of that did come with being in the West coast offense and, and the guy that ran it at the time and the verbiage that was in our offense, which I think is simplified a lot in, in Scott, Scott's offense. Um, but there's just a lot of things to think about there. And I think, I think parlaying not only that, um, but also then you look at a, a guy like Luke, I think part of the reason he is struggling to get some of those snaps is his eyes are in so many different places, trying to read defenses and seeing if people are moving. And, and you, sometimes when you get so caught up in that, you forget the things that you almost take for granted. Um, and I think that can probably be applied to some of the younger guys. And I'm sure they're working in packages for them on certain plays and, and what comes with that, if there's a detail, like a guy struggling to get lined up that not only do you have to have maybe the right situation in the game, as far as the score and the right down and distance, but maybe if he's struggling with lining up, you really want to call that play when the ball's on the right hash and, and just all these different levels of, of detail that are on the play sheet that, that maybe most people haven't seen before. Like, when you get into the ebb and flow of the game, especially a game where you spot a team seven points, like that throws off a play caller's rhythm and it, it can really make it tough um, to kind of ground yourself and get back into that and make sure that you're getting those guys, those opportunities, which I think we need to continue to do because obviously those guys have a lot of promise. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff, Todd. Let's, let's dive into the defense a little bit. I, I was, Surprise. I mean, I clearly I've been the guy that's been beating the drum that Nebraska's defense was taking a turn forward uh, and that they were there. Were, you know, the stock was up. And then you have that game against Illinois where, you know, there was some turnovers and there was some easy touchdowns and everything else. But it, it really felt like Illinois had whatever it wanted, both in the run game and in the pass game. When you you see something like that, B.C., and it, it looks different than what we've seen for the most part this year. Now, Penn State was able to get some yards, and and I don't know if, if Illinois just game-planned off of what Penn State did, but uh, where where is your level of trust that Nebraska can kind of correct the issues that popped up this weekend and get back to the, the sort of run defense they were playing against Ohio State, Northwestern, uh, earlier hmm. in the year? I have trust issues right now, um, like, like most people have – watched Husker football and the problem as you were kind of stating in that question is even though that there were some bad results the first few weeks I think most people agreed that this looks a little better like it on the front seven there was a feeling like man they're really they're really flowing and hitting and um it just looks more uh like the linebackers know where they're supposed to be 
And then, uh, you know, Saturday came along and that was the most discouraging part of that game to me is yeah, the Nebraska's offense has been stuck in quicksand all along, but you sort of thought there's progress coming on one side of the ball. And then it was like three steps back and now you add into the mix. And I think this is going to be tough to deal with for Nebraska. Um, you know, senior Colin Miller, maybe he wasn't the perfect player. And I really hope, let's first off say, I, I hope everything's as good as the early results are saying with his health. Um, but he's not going to be around the rest of the season. And Luke Reimer got a little banged up. And so now at that middle backer spot against an Iowa team that is just going to gash you and gash you and wait for you to make that mistake and uh, miss a run fit and make you pay for it. Um Nebraska may have to play, um, you know, maybe Garrett Snodgrass or, or bring Nick Henrich back inside. We'll see if Reimer can go too, but um, that's going to be a tough task. And uh, somehow, some way you got to look at what you're doing on third down too. I mean, I, I, I know there's no easy answers to that. It's easy for a guy on a podcast to say, Hey, fix your third down thing. Go what, get, get to the bottom of that. Um, there's a lot of reasons why that's failing, but this has been, a problem for years for the Huskers and right now they are 14th in the big 10 in third down defense and they are 14th in the big 10 in third down offense and uh, just not acceptable. Todd you've unfortunately played in some situations where it feels like your defense isn't ever going to get a stop what does that do for a mentality of an offense when you you kind of know and early on in that Illinois game okay we got to pick this up or we're really going to be in trouble. It it certainly can stress the other side of the ball and it can, it can add to what BC was talking about with third downs. And, and I think so much of third downs, there are a lot of factors that go into it, how you did on first and second down, but third downs are a pressure pack situation. And it's how you deal with that pressure, both kind of the psychological pressure of knowing, all right, this is it. We've either got to make this on offense or stop this to get off the field on defense. And, and then there's this added pressure that's like, oh, here we go. We've got to make this third down. Otherwise, we're bringing the defense back out or vice versa. We've got to stop this. Otherwise, um, we're going to be out here forever. And I think that's one thing that's really hurt the defense is that play count against Penn State. I have no doubt that that, that ran over a little bit into that Illinois game. And when we start talking about injuries and other things in depth, it's just – that that is all going to factor in and all those things can play off of one another. And it, it just, it creates, as you said, a, a situation that isn't easy to just point at one, one solution. So, I mean, there's a lot of those things going on that play off of each other and it's trying to stay the positive Peterson, but they've got to find some ways to, to mitigate some of those problems. Yeah. Let's, I mean, Unless you have more thoughts on the defense, I'm just kind of curious on, on your thoughts on the team as a whole. Who who has kind of stood out to you this year that maybe caught you by surprise? Or when if you do put on your positive Peterson hat, what do you kind of like about this team, even though they are one and three? Uh, I, I do like the the defensive line. I mean, up until last week, I, I thought saw some real positive things out of that. I know um, Casey Rogers had that untimely penalty last week, which – seems like there's everybody on this team has had either an untimely penalty or an untimely turnover. Um, but he, I thought had been playing well. And, um, you know, uh, I like what I've seen out of what limited things I've seen out of those young wide receivers. I think you got to continue to find ways to get them the, the ball. And 
I, I know a lot of people have seen the the picture where it looked like Xavier Betts was kind of running free on one of those plays last week. And, and that's the, the million dollar question is if you put Adrian back in there, one, does he see it? And two, is he able to get it there? So like, I think there are some positive things. It's just, it's hard to see it after a week like last week when you're expected to win and win pretty easily. And I think unfortunately uh, some people wearing the uniforms might've been feeling that way too. And it's hard to stay with those positives, but I do think they're there. You also, I mean, you, you kind of have experience with this playing on those Nebraska teams when you did, how much stress did you feel, especially as a native Nebraskan, when the team struggles like this, I mean, you, you kind of went through it in, in 2007. I mean, did you, do you just feel like the added pressure or the weight of the world gets bigger when, when Nebraska struggles and you kind of feel like all that outside noise, or were you able to, to tune any of that out when you played? I don't think you feel as much of it in between the stripes on the, on game day, because it's, you kind of have to tune that out to function. At least I I hope most players are able to do that. Um, It's certainly there in the day to day. Um, There's certainly an energy around the stadium at times. And who knows if that's different with no one in the stadium right now. Um, But I, I, I get frustrated and I got into a bit of a Twitter spat the other day with someone about someone claiming that these, these kids would, you know, uh, I think they said something about never being embarrassed at their job or something when they're adults now. And it's just, it's things like that where I get frustrated because I do think these kids care. I think they wear that weight a lot, even the kids that aren't from Nebraska. Um, and I think having gone through that, I, I definitely have some empathy for them and, and know how that felt, but it, it's to say it has no effect would, would not be accurate. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, do you guys have final thoughts as we go into this, this Black Friday game? Uh, you got Nebraska, Iowa, big noon kickoff. Robert Smith giving us all the great play-by-play and color analysis that we can come to expect week after week after week. Final thoughts, gentlemen? Well, I think Todd has, uh, has said some really good stuff. So uh, hopefully people listen closer when he's speaking than the rest of us because um, he gives that <laughs> insight that's actually useful but um i mean i look at this game as uh it's sort of a double down in a way because whether nebraska fans like to admit it or not they can't stand losing to iowa and it it i mean it, it's it's bad it's a bad mood around this state right now if they go lay an egg on friday uh and you know get taken to the woodshed it's it's going to get really bad um on the other side of that coin and i i think todd could speak more to this as a former player I think you still have to stress this week over there as a big opportunity because um, you're playing a team that's beat you five straight times uh, that doesn't like you and that uh, it would drive them nuts if you went in there and and knocked them off right now and it would also uh, in some ways flip the script whether people want to admit that right now or not I know it would If, if you woke up Saturday morning and Nebraska had beaten Iowa, uh, people would be pretty giddy and hopeful, like, okay, Illinois was bad, but maybe this thing gets – so, I mean, they've got that opportunity, and that's how they have to look at this, no matter what those of us on the outside are saying. Todd? Yeah, um, I think big picture – I think this is a big opportunity, and I think 
um, not to continue to talk about last week, but I think Illinois had a little bit of a sour taste in their mouth from what happened last year in Champaign. And I think the guys need to have a, a bit of a sour taste taste for how this rivalry and it is a rivalry has gone the past five years. Um, and I will say that one thing that's come out of early press conferences that I heard that I like, I think it was Jojo Doman talking about just stepping up the physicality. This is a chance to come out and say, okay, we, we got punched in the mouth last week. We've talked about how we're doing more in the weight room and we're, we're closer to being that physical big 10 team. And if you want to say that you've got to prove it on a week to week basis and, and, to come off of that last game and get Iowa after they've looked pretty good the past couple of weeks, it is a big opportunity. And, and it's just something where I want to see them go in there ready to hit and ready to play hard and competing the best way they know how. All right. Hey guys, appreciate your time as always. And everyone be sure to check out Husker 24 seven. We'll have great game coverage, preview coverage, all of that stuff. And we're getting closer and closer to signing day. Plus we got some great deals going on right now. Be sure to check that out and stop by cyber Monday. Uh, there might be another good deal if you are not a subscriber yet to Husker 24-7. Todd, thank you. I Hopefully you found this as enjoyable as we did. I had a great time, guys. Can't wait. Hopefully uh, next July we can hook up again in Chicago. That sounds, uh, that sounds fantastic for everyone but our livers. Uh, so <laughs> we, will, we will end on that note. We'll be back the following uh, – after the, the game on Friday uh, with another podcast to talk about how things went on Black Friday with Nebraska – and Iowa. Everyone have a great Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you again soon.